Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Happy New Year. Seven days late, but hey, better late than never. LifePoint family, welcome back. It's good to be with you. Good to see you after a week or two off here. Uh, guests, grateful to have you here with us this morning. My name is Cale. I'm the teaching pastor here at the Delaware campus. And guests, if it is your first time, just a couple of things uh, for you this morning. There are some QR codes on the chairs in front of you. Uh, if you're wondering, hey, can I pull my smartphone out at church? The answer is yes, you can. Uh, point it at that QR code. That'll take you to lpguest.com or you can just type in lpguest.com in a web browser. The reason we've developed that for you is we understand first time maybe back to church or first time to this uh, local body, uh, maybe questions about how does the morning run. So the message notes will be there at lpguest.com for you. A bunch of helpful info, info on our church. So please utilize that resource, LifePoint family, if you don't have the LifePoint Ohio app. Uh, that's helpful for you as well because it has a lot of that same information. And guests, I will say, if it's your first time here or second or third time here, our starting point class is happening right after service today in the meeting room. So that's for you. That's for new folks. Even if you haven't signed up for that, you can just walk back straight uh, into the meeting room at the far end of the lobby when we're done today. So 10.45 a.m. we'll have that class uh, for you. Uh, speaking of new things, we're kicking off a brand new series this morning. Uh, if you've got a Bible, a copy of the scriptures, digital, physical, it'll be on the screen as well. We're in First Thessalonians, right? First Thessalonians. We're calling this series uh, Not Without Hope. I'm excited to go through this letter with you. Hope is a, a theme of it, the hope that we find in Christ. And as we go through First Thessalonians here, uh, as we gather on Sundays, we're going to be encouraging the whole church, hey, let's go through it uh, during our personal reading times during the week. So this week, here's the challenge for you. Read the whole letter right, to the Thessalonians, the first letter to the Thessalonians from the Apostle Paul. It's five chapters, one chapter a day, right? If you start tomorrow, you'll be done by the end of the week with a day to spare, right? So that's your challenge this week is to read through 1 Thessalonians. You'll see at the bottom of the app notes today, if you've got the Life One Ohio app or at lpguest.com, at the bottom of the app notes, there's three links there I've provided for you. There's an ESV journal Bible. You can purchase a copy of that if you want. Uh, there's also the YouVersion Bible app uh, on there, which is a online version of the scripture. So if you're like, I've never done this. I don't have a Bible. The online uh, is great. The YouVersion Bible app, or you can get a physical copy. Those two links are there. And also the LifePoint Ohio app, which we will use definitely next week. So once we get done reading it together, as we go through the series, we're going to break it down into smaller parts with a prayer guide involved uh, that's kind of going along with the LifePoint Ohio Drivecast, which is all there right on the app. And so starting next week, you'll use that. This week, your only assignment is get a Bible, and read First Thessalonians, all right? You can do it. It's a great time to start if you have not uh, started a Bible reading plan already, but we're gonna read through it together. Here's the big idea of the series, something we'll say every single week, that Jesus is the source of enduring hope. That Jesus is the source of enduring hope. Hope that's tied to circumstances is a hope that ultimately doesn't endure because circumstances constantly change. So if your hope for the future, for your life is tied to someone other than Christ or something other than Christ, you're gonna find that that hope can't ultimately endure and it can't cause you to endure because it's fallible, it's gonna change, it's gonna fail ultimately. But if your hope is rooted in and tied to the unchanging nature of Christ, the unchanging character of God and the finished work of Jesus, you're gonna find that's a hope that lasts. It's a hope that endures. 
And not only that, there's sort of a double meaning here, right? It's a hope that endures and it's a hope that causes you and I to endure. That's a theme here throughout all of Paul's letters, but certainly to the Thessalonians, they're enduring and uh, really staying true in the midst of persecution. And he's encouraging them to do so in the midst of hardship in their early Christian life. And they, he's telling them, and you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And specifically on the reality of what he's done at the cross and his return. Because that provides a hope that's unchanging. And a hope that lasts. And a hope that will cause you to last. And to make it. And to endure through the trials and difficulties of life. Now, just to give you the background of 1 Thessalonians. So, the church, the city called Thessalonica right? Major uh, Greek city uh, on the coast, right? Lots of trade, thriving city. The Apostle Paul, just a couple of years earlier, he and his uh, companions went there and they planted the church there. They preached the gospel. They saw some Jewish people come to faith. They saw a good number of Greeks or Gentiles, non-Jewish folks come to faith. But what happened is, is some of the uh, Jewish folks who were the leaders of the synagogue there who didn't convert, they got really mad at Paul. And they were zealous about kicking him out of there. They're like, you're preaching this new gospel. We don't like it. And so they kick him out. They start a mob, drive him out to a place called Berea. He goes to Berea next, which is 50 miles away. And these Jewish folks, they're so zealous about uh, stamping out Christianity. They actually travel 50 miles to Berea and then go attack Paul there as well. And you think about it, that's the situation. That's the sort of cultural moment that this Thessalonian church gets started. That's where they live, in the midst of that hostility and difficulty. We think sometimes our culture is maybe sometimes hostile to the gospel, not, not like this. And so Paul is now writing back to the Thessalonians just a few years later to this young church. And they've begun to experience some folks have died in the midst of their church. And they thought maybe Jesus would be coming back before any of that happened. So he's writing to them to encourage them and to pastor them on a number of different things. And we'll see that this morning as we're in chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. We'll see it throughout the course of the letter. But starting in verse 1, Paul, Silvanus, which is another name for Silas, and Timothy. These are two guys who traveled with him in many of the places that he went. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. Now, if you've read any of the New Testament, you might be tempted to hear that, see that, and just say, standard introduction, right? Moving on. That's how Paul starts most of his letter. It's more than just a standard introduction. Notice, Paul's reminding them from the outset of who they are and whose they are. To the church, that's who he, he says, that's who you are. If Paul were writing a letter to us, he'd say, guys, to the church, to the people of God here in Delaware, in the Lord Jesus Christ, in God our Father. That's who you are. And that's really important. You say, why is that so important? Because he's about to spend the next 10 verses and the rest of the chapter telling them a lot of things about, hey, these are things that you've done. These are things that you should keep doing. I wanna encourage you. And here's stuff that you should be doing. But before he talks about stuff they should do, he talks about who they are and reminds them of their identity in Christ. It's what we call here gospel identity. It's the first of our core values. And as we start off a new year together, let's just be reminded of that, right? As we look at this year and there are things we're going to talk about in 2022 that we did and God did in us and stuff that we want to do here in 2023. But as you look at your life and see, you're, you're going, man, I've got stuff I want to stop doing and stuff I need to start doing and I've got to reprioritize. Yes and amen. But start with, who are you? Who am I? 
and whose am I? You, if you're in Christ, and if you're here today and you're not in Christ, that's what we're talking about. How do you be in Christ? You turn from sin, you trust Jesus with your life, and you are redeemed by the blood of Christ shed at the cross for you. You're saved, you're brought back into relationship with the Father, and you belong to him. You're his son or his daughter. That's who you are. And that changes the conversation about, okay, what should we be doing? So he starts with who you are and whose you are. He says then this in verse two, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before God and Father, your work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. There's that hope. That's why I called it enduring hope, right? Another way to translate that is this enduring hope hope that endures, hope that causes us to endure. And where does it come from? He says it's in our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the source of it. It's his life and his sacrificial death and his victory over the grave and his return. That's where our hope is rooted. We keep our eyes fixed on him. Now, there are two things, major things I want to point out from verses two and three, starting actually in verse three. Paul is trying to encourage the Thessalonians, right? He tells them, right? You guys, I'm remembering before God and Father your work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfastness of hope. And what he's basically saying is you guys have done a really good job. You guys have done a good job of enduring. Some letters he writes are not like this. Galatians specifically, right? He basically starts off with, what are you guys doing? Here with the Thessalonians, he's like, good job. You guys are a young church, but you're enduring and keep it up. And so as I read this and I thought about what Paul is doing here, I want to take a moment, basically do that with us and say to us, LifePoint, let me take a moment just to encourage you about what's happened, what God has done here this past year. This past year, we as a body, we hoped together and we prayed together and we shared the gospel. We shared our lives with one another and we labored and we gave for the sake of the gospel. And God has done some extraordinary things. And I don't want us to just sprint into the next year before pausing and saying, hey, let's look backwards Okay, let's thank God for what he's done. 2022, 28 people baptized here at this campus. 28 people baptized this campus. Across all of our campuses, 154 people baptized. One of those baptisms was a young high school lady here at this campus. She came to Christmas Eve service for the first time at the end of 2021. First time she'd ever been here, gave her life to Jesus and was baptized at the beginning of 2022. I'm just going to read to you. She sent us a text at the end of the year, and I'm going to share some of this with you because it's incredible. She says, if someone would have told me a year ago, I would be the person I am today. This is a girl finishing up her high school career. If someone would have told me a year ago, I would be the person I am today. I would have laughed in their face. The relationships I've found, the community I'm a part of, the genuine love I have felt from the Lord and those he placed in my life, the joy, the peace, the comfort, and the contentment Almost a year ago, I was born again through Christ. She goes on to talk about how God has healed relationships in her family that she didn't think could be healed. She says that she never thought she'd have a father or the love of a father, but she now realizes that God is her father and that he loves her. She talked about the Lord showing her that she's stronger than she thought she was, that she doesn't need a romantic relationship to fulfill her or make her feel complete. God changed that. That's a theme through her text. She says, God changed that. Jesus changed that. She says this, listen to this. I assumed I had to get comfortable with the feeling of self-doubt and hate, the feeling of not being good enough. Jesus taught me who I am in his eyes and changed my perception completely. I thought I would never have a family or people around me who would stay. 
Jesus gave himself to me along with LifePoint's community who has given me a home. I could go on forever about the ways in which Jesus has changed my life completely, but I wanna end with this. I used to look at life as pointless. Life was not ever gonna get better and I was the problem. The one thing that has changed that is God. He is the reason for life and I now have a purpose. And for now and forever, I desire to live my life to glorify him and lead everyone I can to him. Church, you might not know this girl personally, but because you're a part of this body and we do this together, you're part of this story. You're a part of this. We disciple people as a community. It does take a village. It takes a body. That's why God brought us together. And as we share and as we pray and as we give and as we share the gospel and share our homes with one another and we gather and we sing and we sit under the word, God's doing stuff like this. We commissioned out of nearly 100 people to be a part of starting two new campuses, two new communities of faith, one in Marion, one in Plain City. Just in the last term of life groups, we started five new groups. 80 more people got into life groups. We had nearly 700 people in groups together. We start another term of groups coming up here in a week. If you don't have a group, get a group, get into a group. I saw this church over the course of 2022, individuals, groups, give away tens of thousands of dollars to the poor, to individuals and to families in need, to our community. And as a church corporately, we gave more than $100,000 to missional efforts across our state, our nation, our community, and literally through our global partners to the world. We prayed together, we cried together, we gathered here in our homes, we shared the gospel, and I believe God has used, we're not a perfect church by any means, but I believe God is using us and has used us to build his kingdom here because he promised he would. God is faithful. And here's my encouragement to us. Well done. And as we head into a new year, let's keep going. And by God's grace, let's do more. By God's grace, let's ask God, let's go before the throne and say, God, use us. We wanna see more of this, more of you changing people's lives. And let me just say, it's a joy to do this with you. Second thing is this, go back to verse two. Paul starts, he says, we give thanks to God always for all of you who constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before God, our Father. So I wanna just give you a couple of things here about if your prayer life, you're like, Kelly, it just feels like sometimes I'm praying and things are bouncing off the ceiling and back towards me. It feels stale. I don't really know what to pray about. So let me just give you two guiding principles from what Paul says here. One, get the focus off of just yourself. One, get the focus off of just yourself. Two, let there be praise along with petition. Okay? Let there be praise along with petition. So let's talk about the first one. Get the focus off of just yourself. Do you notice? And listen, some of us are doing this. I mean, you're pray, interceding for others uh, to the Lord on their behalf. Praise God. Some of us, you may feel like, Kel, I, I just, I don't understand why it feels so stale. I don't feel like I'm hearing anything. And maybe it's that your prayer life has become just too focused and centered on nothing but you. And you need to look at what Paul's doing here and hear him say, man, we're constantly mentioning others in our prayers. We're going before the Lord, interceding for brothers and sisters in Christ. You need, to, you need to get the focus off of just yourself and begin to expand that. Who are you praying for who doesn't know the Lord? Who are you praying for in your life who does know the Lord and you're praying for their growth in Christ? As I think about it in my own life, I don't always do this, but maybe this will be helpful. Sometimes I think about it as concentric circles. And I start, yes, with myself, 
Lord, I'm brand. But then my wife and my marriage, my family, my children, our church, our community, people who know Christ, people who don't know Christ. And then going out from there to the church, the, the larger church and the persecuted, particularly our brothers and sisters across the world, right, who are enduring much worse than we are. And you just sort of build out from there. Get the focus off of yourself and say, Lord, you, you've given me the opportunity to come to you and petition on behalf of others. But then secondly, let there be praise along with petition. What did Paul say? I thank God. I'm remembering before God all the things that we've seen in your life. As you, you absolutely should be asking God for things. That's petition. Lord, I'm asking, here's stuff I'm asking for, me, for others. But let there be praise as well. Take time in prayer to say, God, I want to not just today ask you for stuff, but I want to thank you for stuff that you have done. I want to thank you for who you are. Morgan and I took some time at the end of the year just to sit down and, I mean, we wrote stuff out, the good and the bad of 2022, but ultimately just to say, God, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness and thank you for your goodness in the midst of all of this. And no, it's not been easy, but God, you're good. And we've seen a lot of your good. It was spiritually healthy for us just to sit down and do that. Let there be praise along with petition. And can I encourage you, don't wait until Thanksgiving to sit at the table and to say, hey, what are we thankful for? Don't wait until Thanksgiving to sit down alone. Individuals, right? Singles, right? You're, uh, sit down and just do that. Grab a friend. Do it with your life group. Families, right? Sit down together. Let's talk about what God has done. And I'm going to lean into some of us here. I want to say specifically, husbands and dads, lead in this. Don't make mom be the one. Moms, I love you and I'm so grateful for you. And wives and what you do. Dads, fathers, Husbands, let's step up and let's encourage our families and lead our families in this way. Don't force mom to be the one to gather the kids around and say, hey, what has God done? Disciple your families. Let's do that, dad. Let's lean in. Let's initiate those conversations and by God's grace, gather the family. Say, hey, let's talk about what God has done and the way he's been faithful. And man, maybe that's, that, that may be awkward the first time you do it. And that's okay. Practice makes perfect. Number four, verse four. We know, for we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full, full conviction. Paul is once again affirming them and encouraging them. They live in a difficult place, in a difficult time. Christianity is just starting and a lot of people, when they became Christians, it meant being ostracized from their family. People didn't understand. Sometimes they got not just ostracism, but outright hostility. It's not like here where you become a Christian and there's a, there's a grid for that. And a lot of people still in our culture are like, I mean, good for you. That's great. I'm glad you found what works for you. That's not the way it was viewed oftentimes here. It was, what is this? Early Christians were actually called atheists because they didn't worship the pantheon of gods. They said, no, those gods don't exist. And so oftentimes met with hostility. And yet in the midst of this, the apostle Paul is gonna tell them, man, you guys received the gospel with joy. You received it as the word of God. And in the midst of much affliction, you received it with joy and God changed your lives. And what he's telling them is because of all that, 
Because we saw the Holy Spirit move in power amongst you and people were turning from idols, he's gonna say, to serve the living and true God. He's like, I know that God has chosen you. I know that God is at work among you because we saw the power of God in your midst. It's an affirmation to them. Yes, God is moving. When we put that for like, what does that mean for us? Okay, here's, here's how I would say that to us. If we gather here every Sunday and all that happens is that we walk away saying, sermon was decent, Music was great. I feel good. See you next Sunday. That's not, we can't look at that and say, well, that's evidence of the Holy Spirit's activity. That's evidence, no, that, you know, somebody was good at talking and we had some good music and we felt good. But if people's lives are changing, if people are being saved and people are getting baptized and marriages and families are being healed and people are becoming more generous and gospel-centered in their thinking and in their actions and the conviction of the Holy Spirit's happening and people are turning away from sin and saying, Lord, I wanna give my life to you and there's hope that's enduring amidst difficulty, then we can say, man, the Holy Spirit's up to something. God's moving in our midst because we're seeing people's lives change. And that's what Paul's saying here. The gospel came and the reaction to the gospel wasn't just neat, but rather people's lives were changing, giving their lives to Christ. And by God's grace, that's happening here. And I would ask you, will you join me in praying for more of that in 2023? Will you join me in praying? Lord, we wanna see more of that. We wanna see more people take that step of being baptized. We wanna see more people give their lives to you. We wanna see more work in the midst of families and singles and young people and old people. We wanna feel and see evidence of the conviction of the Holy Spirit and people finding joy in Christ. He goes on, latter part of verse five. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. There's two parts to that and it's really important. Okay, the Apostle Paul looks at these, this young church and says, you guys know, you remember what kind of men we, me, Silvanus, right, si Silas and Timothy, your spiritual leaders, proved to be among you for your sake. I want to take a moment here and just, let's just, if you're writing notes, you can put spiritual leadership, right? And some things that you should be looking for when it comes to spiritual leaders, uh, including myself in that, right? You should be asking these questions of me. Are they examples of the faith? Not perfect. I am not perfect. No spiritual leader here is. No spiritual leader you encounter in your life is gonna be perfect. No life group leader, no pastor, right? You're gonna find, like, I will fail you. I am not perfect. But you should be able to look at your spiritual leaders and see at least two things. They're examples of the faith and they are humble. They're servants. Spiritual leaders should be examples and they should be servants. That's what Paul just said. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you. Examples of the faith. This is what he tells Timothy later on when he sends Timothy out church planting. He says, Timothy, be an example of the faith in love, in speech, in purity, in faith, and in conduct. You're not gonna be perfect. Do not, here, do not expect of spiritual leaders perfection. Don't expect spiritual leaders to be super saints. Don't look, don't look at me and be like, he must be the best prayer and the best you know, uh, evangelist and the best this. No, there are people in our church who are greater, more gifted in evangelism than I am. More gifted in prayer and more, I mean, prayer warriors. There are people who are better Bible readers than I am. More disciplined in that. 
And praise God for that. You shouldn't look at spiritual leaders and say, I bet you're the best. I expect you to be the best and the expert at everything. No, expect maturity. Expect humility. Expect you should be an example of the faith and you should be a servant. And so if you look at spiritual leaders and you say, man, their life doesn't match up with the things that they're teaching. And to be honest, it seems like it's mostly about them. It's about their influence. It's about their platform. It doesn't seem like what's being done is for the good of the church. Then that's not good spiritual leadership. Paul says, you know what men, what kind of people we prove to be among you. People who are worthy of imitation. He's going to talk about that in verse 6. For your sake, that you might grow in Christ. You can expect and you should expect from spiritual leaders. There's a love there for you and a desire to see you grow in your walk with Jesus. He goes on and kind of continues this in verse six. He says this, you became imitators of us. You looked at our lives and you imitated that and of the Lord. Paul says elsewhere, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. That's what we're all after. We wanna be more like Jesus. But Paul is saying, you're gonna have some spiritual mentors in your life, people you look at and say, man, I wanna follow Jesus like they follow Jesus. You became imitators of us and of the Lord and you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Here's what he's saying. He says, guys, as we came and we, you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, you looked and you imitated us, you copied us and ultimately the Lord. And in doing so, you became an example for people all across that region. That is a hope I have for our church, that we have spiritual mentors and leaders in our lives that we are imitating as they imitate Jesus and we become more Christ-like and that the word would, as Paul's gonna say, ring out from us into the regions around us, into central Ohio, across our state and our nation, that we would be an example for others to follow. But here's the spiritual principle Paul's laying out. Because some of us are saying, man, I wanna be an example. I want to influence others. Okay, good. Who are your examples and who are you letting influence you? Who are you imitating? My, my son this morning <clears throat> just turned seven, right? And this morning as I'm putting on my socks and my shoes, I look over and he's doing the exact same thing. He doesn't even have socks and shoes. He's imitating me, right? He's just sitting there watching me and he's going, uh-huh, yeah, right? And he's just got this big grin on his face because he's copying dad. You know what? I looked at that and I realized, I don't think we ever grow out of that. We just get better at hiding it. Because we're still doing the same thing as adults. We got other people we're following on social media, right? What, what TikTok videos are you watching? What news are you listening to? What podcasts are you listening? What books are you reading? We're always doing that. We're always looking at others and we're taking our P's and Q's from other people. And I think the Apostle Paul is saying, make sure the people that you're taking your P's and Q's from, particularly as far as your spiritual life is concerned, your life purpose, make sure they're people who love Jesus and can help you love Jesus. Imitate those who are worthy of imitation. And here's the spiritual principle. As you, have, as you uh, follow people who are worthy of imitation, then you become a person worthy of imitation. As you imitate worthy people, you become people worthy of imitation. As you follow godly examples in your life, you become a godly example for others to follow. That's how discipleship works. And so I mentioned life groups earlier. If you're looking at your life, you're like, okay, I don't know who exactly. Shameless plug for life groups. Get into a group. They start next Sunday. The catalogs are out. 
right? Grab a catalog, email one of the pastors. It's all online as well. If you don't have Christian community around you and you're like, man, this needs to change. And I believe, yes, you're correct. It does. Get into a group. Not everybody in the group is going to be spiritually mature and worthy yet of imitation. And I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about spiritual maturity. But there are going to be people in that group that you meet that you're like, man, teach me. Let me imitate you as you imitate Christ. Get into a group. And as you look at your life, ask the question, who am I imitating? Who am I letting influence me? I want to be influenced by people who are being influenced by Christ. That I might become someone worthy of imitation. Verse eight, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. It's incredible. He tells this young group of believers, guys, the way you've had joy in the Holy Spirit in the midst of affliction and persecution, it's become an example. That word, like that example's going out and people all over are like, man, do you see what God's doing here? Once again, that's a, that's a prayer of mine for our church. God, will you use us to be an example for others? We're not gonna be perfect, but Father, will you use us? Will you keep us humble? Will you keep us joyful in the midst of affliction? Will you help us to follow you in such a way that the, the regions around us look and say, man, God's doing something here. And it was a result in making much of Jesus. Verse nine, he says, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God. Listen to this, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Turned from idols to serve the living and true God. I, I wanna give a warning slash encouragement to those of us here today. And maybe you would call yourself a Christian. Maybe you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, but you can look at your life and you can say, man, right now I am worshiping at the altar of other gods and not the Lord. And this doesn't usually look like for us, like it did for them. For them, like literal temples and little figurines that they're bowing down to in worship. It doesn't usually look like that for us. But if you do a little bit of work and look at your life, you can see pretty quickly, man, I'm worshiping at the altar of money or of sex or of power or of relationship, right? Desiring someone else is gonna complete me. You're worshiping at one of those, those temples, one of those altars. And the encouragement, the warning to you, the call to you is, man, turn away from it. The call of the gospel is, look, Christ died to save you to bring you out of that, to turn, turn from it, turn towards the living God, worship him and him alone, and you're gonna find he's better. He truly fills the hole, the gap that you're trying to fill. He satisfies in a way that those things do not. Those things bring slavery. Christ brings freedom. Turn from them. And for some of us, it's not you personally, but it's someone in your life that you're watching someone that you love and you see them going, <laughs> running after those idols, money, sex, power, relation, and you just, you see it and you, it, you long for them. Oh Lord, take the scales off their eyes. It's not gonna fulfill them, but maybe you're beginning to lose hope. It's been so long. I know of a lady in our church, she prayed for someone for 42 years before they came to faith in Christ. 
and the story of the church, if you think, I just don't know if that person's ever gonna turn, they're just not gonna get it. Look, the story of the church are people turning from idols to serve the living and true God. God changing people's hearts and their lives. And he still, as we sang earlier, he's the same God. He's still doing that today. Don't lose hope and don't lose heart. And you keep praying for that person's return to Christ. And then that phrase, he says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. That's like the gospel in a nutshell. That's a summary of the gospel. God created us perfectly. We turned from him, rebelled against him. We deserved death because of our rebellion against a holy and good and just and loving God. And yet God says, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna leave you there. I'm sending Christ after you. And Jesus died in our place. And then he rose again and he defeated death and the enemy once and for all. And he'll finish it when he returns. And he says, look, you trust him and you're delivered. You're saved. You don't have to keep making the same mistakes. You are not the person that you once were in and because of Christ. You're a new man, a new woman, and you are delivered from the wrath of God against sin. You now are the recipient, not of his justice against sin, not of his wrath against sin, but of his love and his mercy because of Jesus Christ, because of what he did for you at the cross and his resurrection. And then specifically, do you know what he said? And wait for his son. Paul references the return of Christ in every chapter of this book. Specifically at the end of every chapter, there's some reference to the return of Jesus. And I think that's so important when we think about what is it that gives us hope? What is it that gives us hope and perseverance? What is it that keeps us going? It's the finished work of Jesus at the cross. It's the power of his Holy Spirit every single day. And it's the hope and promise of his return. You keep your eyes up. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ. And it's not, it's not just a sitting around waiting. Okay, Jesus, come get me. It's an active waiting. I'm gonna wait and I'm gonna leverage my life for Jesus until he calls me home or until he returns. So here's the final thing. Live your life in light of Jesus' return. Live your life in light of Jesus' return. And church, there's, there's no better time than right now. We are still at the beginning of this year. And some of us have a real sense that you need to reprioritize. That you become just spiritually lazy. And you're looking at it going, man, my priorities are all out of whack. Now is the time. Today is the day. For some of us, it's, man, I've never taken the step to be baptized, to give my life to Jesus. Today's the day. And for some of us, Lord, I have, but I've drifted and I need to reprioritize. I need to start living my life in light, anticipating, ready for his return. So do it. Remember who you are and whose you are and reprioritize for the sake of Christ. Live your life in light of his return. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for those of us uh, who are yours, God, who are here today, and we would say, man, I'm, I'm in Christ. I'm part of the church because of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, will you help us? Thank you for the ways that you've worked in us and through us in 2022. God, will you do more in and through us in 2023? Will you grow us in faith? Give us joy in the midst of affliction. 
Help us to be passionate about reaching the lost. And Lord, may we live our lives. Help us to live our lives in light of Jesus's return. And God, thank you for what you've done for us. Every day, will you help us to remind ourselves of that, to preach the gospel to ourselves and to wake up in the morning and say, no matter what happened yesterday and no matter what's coming today, the truth is that I am God's child saved by the grace of God through faith. And Lord, let that change every day for us. I wanna give you just a moment to pray. You pray, speak to the Lord. Anything you need to say to him before we close. As we continue to pray, I wanna speak to those of us who are here today and for you, it's that question of the first step. You came here today and maybe you wouldn't call yourself a Christian or maybe you've claimed that, but you know, I've never taken the step to trust Jesus in my life. You've not yet been baptized in obedience to the Lord. I wanna give you an opportunity right now to pray. And when we're done singing and we, are sent out, you go talk to our Next Steps team, you tell them that I took that step today, I need to be baptized. I haven't yet been baptized in obedience to the Lord because he's changed my life. I wanna give you an opportunity to pray with me right now. You pray in your own words, you can pray along with me. Lord, thank you that you sent Jesus for me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin for rising from the grave that I might have new life in you. And until the day you return or you call me home, I give my life to you. I ask for the forgiveness of my sin and a new heart and a new life. And I thank you for it. Jesus, today I'm yours and you are mine. Father, thank you that you continue. You are the same God. And Jesus, you paid it all that we might have new life in and through you. We love you. We thank you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.